Welcome to the Wedding Guest Extraordinaire podcast with me, Sarah Southern. Join me each week as I talk everything weddings, taking you from engagement to honeymoon, making sure that you really do enjoy planning your big day. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Wedding Guest Extraordinaire podcast with me, Sarah Southern. I hope that everybody is well. This week on the podcast, I am joined by the comedian Sindhu V. Now, Sindhu had three weddings, which may seem excessive, but it does make sense, as she herself is Indian, her husband is Danish, they started dating when they were studying in the US, they then got engaged when they were living in London. So they had three weddings, one in London, one in India, and one in Denmark. So she shares the the tales of those three weddings. Um, she also talks a lot about her mum and the influence of her mum on the wedding, especially the Indian wedding, which uh, is uh, got some really great tales. But I'm really pleased as Sindhu is also joining the lineup of the Royal Wedding Comedy Show at the Bill Murray on Saturday the 12th of May. Tickets are still available. You can buy them at angelcomedy.co.uk. They're only £5. Um, so last week's guest, Harriet Kemsley, and this week's guest, Sindhu V, are both on the lineup. So uh, I'm sure you'll want to buy a ticket after this week's episode because Sindhu is very, very funny and she sh- shares some very funny tales about her mum. But let's crack on and jump straight into the episode. I do hope you enjoy it. Hi, Sindhu. Thanks for coming along to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Uh, I'm very looking forward to speaking to you about your many weddings, but I guess... To the same person, we just want to find out. That's very true, to the same person. But before we kind of let the listeners hear about why you've had so many weddings, can you let me know where you met your husband? I met my husband at university in the United States. He was on an... He was sort of a student just for a term. Uh, He was here at the LSE and he decided he needed to do some stuff in the United States and he happened to swing by for what in uh, at University in America is called a quarter um, and that's when I met him. And was this during an undergraduate degree? No, we were both, sorry I cut you off, no, no it was <laughs> not. Uh, we were both in grad school. Oh, okay. Um, I started grad school very early, too early, that's why I didn't quit, that's why I didn't finish my PhD, I quit it in the middle because suddenly I woke up at the age of 25 and thought, this is taking a very long time. I'm going to stop. And so, yeah. So I met him. I was doing I was uh, doing a PhD in philosophy, and he was doing a PhD in economics. But he finished his because he's just Mr. Get-It-All-Right and very regulated kind of guy. And was it love at first sight? Mm, no. <laughs> no. Um, it was not at all because he was an exchange student. We were a big group of... 14, 15 international students. We lived in an international house, um, which was sort of like a dorm. Um, and all of us were doing graduate school. And he was on an exchange. And pr- prior to him, we had had no- we had had another Scandinavian who was from Sweden. And he drank an inordinate amount because I think in Sweden, alcohol is very expensive. So his name was Johan. We used to call him Yo-Yo. Because when you're a student, you have absolutely no respect for anybody else. And if you're <laughs> in the group, you just insult each other liberally. And Yo-Yo used to get, like, I would find him draped on the staircase on the way up. He would just drink so much he would pass out. And I didn't drink a lot yet. So I used to find this behavior fascinating. But he was a great party animal and always up for a drink. And he was the sort of 
some of us were very serious um, about our studies. And so he was the engine of the party. So he left and we were like, oh, the Scandinavian's gone. And then someone said, oh, no, a new one's arrived. I mean, we talked about them like they were zoo animals. <laughs> and, oh, a new Scandinavian has arrived and he's even taller. Um, and, yeah, and he had long blonde hair, like, kind of like a Duran Duran thing, where, you know, very 80s uh, band kind of thing. And we all looked at him, and I, I was like, okay, this one doesn't talk much, does he? And they said no, and I was like, blech. Um, but he had great dimples, and I'm, I have a thing for dimples. So I thought, oh, this one has great dimples. I didn't know what country. I didn't know anything. I was so bad. Um, but I had other stuff to do. Yeah, you had your PhD to work yeah, on. Yeah, and I was also breaking up with a boy oh, uh, okay. who lived in another country, and he was being very difficult. And my mother wanted me to marry him because she was like, you're 25, you're not 26, you're not married, and... You never, you are never going to get married at 26 years old. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you are not on shelf. You have fallen behind shelf. No one can see you from behind the shelf. I'm like, that's not even a phrase, you know, anyway. So, you know, I had other stuff going on, so I didn't pay much attention, but that it wasn't love at first sight. Um, it was, it just took a little while. Um, but he was definitely the only person I'd ever dated who I, who made me laugh. Oh my God. So much. Um, and who I also found very difficult, but because he made me laugh, it was like, oh, I could overlook that. I mean, I wouldn't suggest this as a way of thinking about a man or a a, a partner, I should say. If they're difficult, stop and pay attention to that. But it's amazing what can be forgiven if someone is funny. Oh my God. (laughs) That is, that is the best phrase. It is amazing what can be forgiven if someone is funny. And that's, yeah, I mean, that is literally, that was his ticket. But if he was just a visiting student, he could, his time there must have been finite. So yeah, it was ten weeks. Ten. So you had to get quite rapid, surely. Once no, no. We 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 had what my other Indian friend called a spring fling, and he left. And I was like, see ya. And he was like, see ya. But also, I mean, Scandinavians—they're not—they're not given to huge sort of you know exclamations of romance or exclamations of anything frankly <laughs> have you ever seen those danish tv shows hello um so no he he left and it was like okay bye and it was bye and then a year and a half later i happened i quit my phd and i got a job in london and he was here ah. and in the interim we had sort of we had a lot of common friends but we weren't very good friends because well he was so difficult um really and i you know anyway and we, we had said goodbye so whatever and then we met up again here and we met up, um, and we, we didn't meet much. We were both very, very busy. I must have met him four or five times in the whole year and had a coffee or whatever. And he made me laugh, but I was like, I'm not dating this guy because he's so impossible. Um, and it wasn't even that he was impossible. I was busy, man. I had, a, I had a job I didn't know how to do. It was very long hours. I mean, you know, but I was on my own. I had no friends in London. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll go, you know, go to coffee with you. And he has lived here most of his life at that point, like whatever, 10 years or whatever. And so we, we met up again, and then I think it was about a year and a half later, we were, um, it was, uh, we were, yeah, we decided to, what you would say, get back together. But it was like, like a good Scandinavian, he said, I think we should get back together. And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> because, well, you know, there was something, we, we there, there was, I, I, I hate saying it, and this is going to go out, but I'll say it because it's the right thing. I mean, I fell for him all over again, but I didn't want to be the one that said, I've fallen for you, you know? I wanted him to say it. Uh, I'm a, you know, I don't know, is that stupid? No, it's nice. I think it, people should be more open about the fact that yeah. they've fallen for someone. Oh, I fell for him so hard. <clears throat> and then we got back together. Um, yeah. 
That's nice. So you're living in London. You're in your kind of mid to late 20s. Mm-hmm. When did the engagement come about? Well, after we got back together, he proposed 20 days later. So 20 days. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I come from an arranged marriage background. I'd had lunch with boys and had to say yes or no. So, in a way, I knew him a lot better, but I was not (laughs) expecting... You knew him better than a lunch. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, But I was not expecting that. Um, And yet he did. And, you know, I mean, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. No. And it's not that I wanted to get married. I just thought, of course. I mean, I like you so much. And you have asked me to marry you. Obviously, this is yes. So had he been thinking about it no one for had all ever, this time? Dude, we had not talked about anyone's marriage, like anyone else's marriage. It had never come up. He just said one day, he just said, I thought, he, he said, I got to close this because you're never going to live with me because I don't do that thing. It was my parents. My, can you imagine if I said my parents, I'm living with someone, they would have both gone straight to heaven. <laughs> um, so he was like, I had to close. And so here we go. Okay, so you're engaged after 20 days of officially dating. Yeah. Your mum and dad must have been beside themselves. Mum was ecstatic. Yeah. Ecstatic. Was she on the first plane over to London? Pretty much. Pretty much. And then, you know, um, I actually talk about this in my BBC Radio 4 show that's called Sindustan, which uh, I'm not going to plug it, but you should know it's getting recorded in June. It'll come out. There'll be the whole story of how she reacted. Oh, amazing. But she did react very well. Um and I, you know, he didn't even tell his parents or anything. So everyone, he just asked. And I was like, yes. And then, Bleh. and then, so we had to tell everyone. And a lot of our friends were like, are you sure? <laughs> because they'd seen how much we'd argued and how, you know, our friends were like, they wanted to be like, yay. They were like, oh, and we were like, yeah, I know. Right. Weird. And, um, and one of the craziest stories that's just come to me is we have a really good friend in common and. It, this had all happened very suddenly, like we started dating. But in those 11, eight, 11 months or whatever, when I we weren't dating, I'd sort of been seeing this other guy, and he was, and no one liked him. None of my group liked him, and he, and he was he was just he was really arrogant, and I don't know, I don't know what I, I think it was just I don't know what it was. But anyway, so his to say his name is X. So I so my husband and I got on the phone and we called this third friend who had been in London, so knew my stuff. And obviously I hadn't, you know, he, yeah, he was my confidant and I called him and I said to him, guess what? And my husband's on the phone or my soon to be husband. I said, guess who I, I said, I'm getting married. <laughs> and he said, Oh my God, it's not X, is it? And my <laughs> husband was like, wait, wait, who's X? And I was like, nobody, nobody, nobody. <laughs> it was the most awkward conversation in which it had two down points. One is that I was dating someone that my friends were like, please God, don't let it be him Two, that my husband had no idea that six but weeks it previous even it wasn't yeah. even happening but why would you know we were friends yeah you know it's not like i was you were my boyfriend anyway anyway so then we had to explain who x was and he was like i can't even believe you did it someone that lame i'm like you don't have to worry we're getting married now it's done so and my friend was like oh i'm so sorry that's <laughs> like you idiot yeah that is always kind of the awkward thing when you start dating someone or things get more serious and you have to start disclosing yeah, and it's a little what bit more awkward. When, happened. Yeah, but it's a bit more awkward when the get serious is your marriage. But anyway, you know, I think what happened is that we were so sure of what we were doing, as well as so unsure, but in ourselves, we would look at each other and think, this is the right thing, that everything else fell away. That's you know? so wonderful. But I think that 
even though you were only dating for 20 days and to get engaged, to know that it was just meant to be the right thing? Yeah, there was there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that we both, together and separately, having never discussed it, felt that. And, you know, in hindsight, would I suggest this is the best way to get married? I think it has its challenges because you've never lived with someone, you don't know what they're like, and you don't know what they're like under stress. But I think that's the same for all marriages. The one reason I would recommend this is that if it were to happen, is that you take a great deal of personal responsibility mm. because you very much made that choice in that way. Uh, and being from an arranged marriage background, I couldn't then blame my mother and say, oh, you picked a boy I didn't like which I was always planning to do with all the other boys she introduced <laughs> me to. Um, yeah, and it's very hard to... Well, I, I mean, look, not all marriages work out, and uh, God knows I've found mine challenging at, uh, you know, many, many times. But I think there, I think if you can remember that feeling you had when you looked at this person and thought, this is the right thing for me to do, it's a very valuable feeling, and if for no other reason to have felt that once with absolutely nothing but your heart and your, just your heart, your love for someone is so certain with absolutely no external support um, or not support, but evidence. That's a wonderful thing to have experienced once. Definitely. You know, it sounds so weird and lame, but it's so not the way that it's done. And, you know, did you know each other? And did you talk... But we just, I guess the thing is, and its it was hard for me to say these words for many years because I don't come from a background where you marry for love. And the whole notion of marrying for love is, 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 is it's viewed with suspicion because everyone knows love is very ephemeral and very um, temporary, that kind of love. But I think the honest truth is, I think I fell in love with this man. But that was beautiful. And he asked me to marry him, and I just thought, of course. There's no other option. No, and I mean, it makes me, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to start crying, but so many years down the road when I look back, I wish I had a slightly less emotional answer, sentimental answer, but this is, dude, this is the answer. You know, and I'm not saying it makes your marriage a success. I'm not saying it makes it easy. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that's the thing that happened. And we had never discussed the word marriage. Well, not the word, but anyone's marriage. It was not on the agenda for anybody. We didn't know anyone who was married in our group. Well, we knew one guy, but he was divorced because he got married. Like, did one of those Las Vegas things, and we were like, oh. Anyway, that didn't go well. It was like a couple of weeks. But, you know... So you have got the engagement sorted. Well, no, because my mother pitches up and she wants a big Indian engagement, which is, of course, these are Danes. They're like, what? So she's like, oh, I have bought for the engagement. So she came. She now, like a proper Her way of dealing with the fact that he was not Indian was to be like, no, he is Indian. This whole thing is Indian. They're just very tall and white. But it doesn't matter. We're all in India. This is Indian. <laughs> so she pitched up with gifts because when, a, as, as the girls' people, you have to show. So you have to give gifts. So she bought him um, suit lengths, fabric to make his suits. She bought my father-in-law that. I mean, I don't think anyone in the West really gets their suits made like we do in India. So they were like, what is this reams of cloth? <laughs> and she's like, look, it's a lovely twill. It's a woolen twill, which is very expensive in India. And they were like, what is twill? They had no idea. So she bought that. She bought shawls for all his aunts, for his grandmother. This is a small family. Well, 
by Danish standards, they're normal, but by Indian standards, there were nine of them. My mother was like, what has happened to the others? I'm like, there are no more. <laughs> Did she think they'd all been wiped out with the plague or something? Yeah, I mean, the first time she came to Denmark and we went into the summer house, you know, after we were married, my in-law's summer house, there's not a lot of Danes in general, and there's just not that many people. We were driving from the airport into the country, and she said, Hi, sabloka, hi, heja pelai. Where is everybody? Has there been an outbreak of cholera? <laughs> Because the only time roads are clear in India is when someone has died of cholera. I was like, oh, dude, no, this is how it is. She said, it's very spooky here. Nobody is there. The ghosts will come. I'm like, no, no, no. Because in India, as soon as it's lonely, it's a ghost story. Anyway, so she showed up for the engagement with all this stuff. Now, she bought a really beautiful jewelry set, ruby set for my mother-in-law. Because, oh, wow. But my mother-in-law's ears are not pierced. So they sat down for tea, and my mom looked at my mother-in-law at her earlobes and said to me, can you come in the kitchen one minute? And I thought, oh, God. So we went into the kitchen, and she said, your mother-in-law's ears are not pierced. I said, I said, what's wrong with her? I said, no, see, now, in the West, they don't do that. In India, we pierce our kids' ears, daughters' ears at birth. And she said, she said, does she have that disease where if you bleed, you die? I'm like, no. <laughs> She just didn't pierce her ears. And my mom said, you know, I don't mind because I will give her the beautiful jewelry set and she'll have it to give it to you. I was like, you're so weird. Let's get outside and eat. And we went and had tea. And my mother said to her, I said, don't bring it up. My mother said, of course not. Next thing says to my mother-in-law is, why are you not piercing your ears? And my mother-in-law was like, well, you know, it wasn't considered something that we did. And my mother said, it is very strange. I'm like, oh, wow. This is her version of not bringing it up. <laughs> but anyway, so she gave everyone everything. And, you know, she bought sweets. And it was just, this was so exciting for her. And um, she also hit... So when my husband had to meet her, she, they arrived. And I lived in a flat. And he came over and he to meet my parents. He met my father. And then he was going to meet my mother. And she went and hid in the closet. Because she was so... Because your son-in-law is someone quite... He's a really big deal. And I went into my room and I'm like, Mommy, where are you? And I heard her say, I'm here. I'm feeling shy. And he's like, is she in the closet? I'm like, dude, don't even ask. And then the closet doors burst open. She came running out, grabbed my uh, fiancé, my husband-to-be, around the waist. She's tiny. And hugged him and said, I never had a son-in-law before from Denmark. And he was like okay, you have only two daughters. It would be weird if they both married <laughs> Danes. So he just patted her on the head. And she said, but I already think I'm very lucky. There you go. It's a lot of kindness in your mother's heart, isn't there, to have bought all those gifts and to have welcomed him in that way? It's protocol. I wouldn't call it kindness. It's protocol. How would she show face in India if she hadn't done these things? Of course, she's a, she's a good person. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But these are protocol. I mean, every gift was... This aunt gets that, but this one gets the lesser shawl, but this one, because in her head, it's like, ma, the Danes don't think like that. So culturally, there must have been lots of differences in the way that uh, the Danes were coming towards the wedding, and then <laughs> the way that your family were coming towards the wedding, but also because you as a couple were living in London, which is a totally other cultural cosm as to how people deal with weddings. Yeah, I mean, I, of course, it was culturally way out, right? So... The Danes were like, our son is getting married. This is great. Full stop. My mother was like, my daughter is getting married. 
to a Dane, whatever, he's Indian, but he calls himself Danish, it's fine. Literally, she just had that attitude. She was like, Denmark is he's a Indian, but we're tall. In her head, I think that's how she thought about it. And then when your daughter marries, you, in India, you have to, sh- it's an event in the family. You have to give things to your relatives. So for her, that whole thing came up. And she went full, full, you know, whole hog, because she'd waited to do this her whole life. Because my elder sister got married in America, and it wasn't that kind of wedding. And also, you know, I I let them do it. I was like, fine, knock yourself out, because I'm very busy in my new job. And I think both of us, my husband and I, married very traditionally for our cultures for the sake of our parents. He's an only child. So what kind of actual wedding ceremonies did you have? We had, we, so we had a registry here, mm-hmm. just me, me and him and two people, because we were like, this is, needs to be done. Because at the time, I didn't have a UK passport. And if I got fired, I had a work visa, I would have had to go back, blah, blah, blah. And that would have made the marriage very complicated. So that was the legal ceremony, officially makes you married in the United Kingdom, sorted. That, yeah. And uh, he didn't have a UK passport, but it was just not so much to get paperwork, but to just say, while I'm in this country legally, not that I've ever been here illegally, but in, we're married. And then we'll, if I get fired and I have to go back, we'll deal with it. Um, we didn't want the marriage to have to suffer in any way, the whole idea of the marriage. Uh, we have both made the marriage suffer in many ways since then. <laughs> but, um, and then we went to India and had a really conservative Tamil wedding, uh, South Indian wedding, uh, small by our standards, not small by Danish standards. And then went to Denmark <coughs> and had a blessing in the church, nice. which is like a wedding, except it's not a wedding because you're already married. So did anybody other than a happy couple come to all three weddings? My oh, no, just... So the couple that came to the registry office, did they come to the Indian and the... Uh, yes, because one of them is my husband's best friend. He came to both. My other friend who was there, he couldn't come to the Indian one because... There were legal reasons he couldn't go to India. We would leave it there. <laughs> and so he came to the Danish one. Um, and then uh, my very close friend, she came to all of them. Um, she just flew around wherever because she had to be there. Everyone else came. My Indian friends just came to the Indian one. And then all our non-Indian friends who would have been harder for them to fly out came to the Danish one. Interestingly, we didn't, we were in a real cocoon about this whole thing. So the logistics of the wedding were very secondary to us. Well, this was not a big day we'd planned. And, you know, we were very much of the view that as long as we are there with each other, everything else is what it is. And so we let the people who really cared about the event have it their way. I guess that's quite interesting about your wedding that's perhaps you know different to other people's weddings and that you've relinquished a lot of control because you know that a lot of the wedding isn't just about you you know and you talk about of the course. protocol and your mum's involvement therefore you're like of course we're going to come to India of course we're going to do it the way that you want to do it yeah and we'll rumble along with it yeah and I mean I guess also you know I have Indian friends who've married non-Indians and they've I and they've had more say Okay, so I grew up wanting to get married. But weirdly, I never had an image in my mind of the sort of um, the decorative element. I wanted, I knew I would have a, a wedding. I knew I would have a Hindu wedding. I'm a Hindu wedding. But I think I never really had a strong view. 
actually, I did have a strong view. I didn't want to have one of those huge weddings which you have in India and everyone comes and it's a showy thing. And, you know, I just didn't want to because I think that's lame. I think that's lame. And my mother really disagreed with me. She wanted a big showy wedding so she could show everyone that her daughter was married. It's a, it's a, it's a big statement in India often. You know, the way you marry off your children says something about you. And I was like, it doesn't say anything about me. And she always said, you know, you are, why I didn't die before you were born, I don't know. I'm like, because if you died, I wouldn't have been born. She said, shut up, this is not a biology class. <laughs> you know, so she, she really didn't like it. But then I said, fine, as long as we, it's not, these are the parameters. And so she did get her way because, I mean, look, I was marrying someone that I thought I had known my whole life. This was the person, not this person, but that it was happening the way. And so I didn't really begrudge anyone else their stuff. I, yeah, I, just, I, I think that's a, a sensible way of looking at it because weddings aren't just about the couple. They're about Because if it was, then the couple would just go to their local registry office and get married and not tell anybody. But it's not. It's a public declaration of your relationship status. But it's also an opportunity for your family to celebrate you as people. Yeah. And also their status within that relationship and their family. You know, I can see why people's mums get so involved with yeah. all of the arrangements. I can see why people's fathers get really emotional about, you know, walking their daughter down the oh, aisle God. or whatever it may be. It matters to people. It's a really, like, visceral feeling. Of course. And, you know, I'll say, I'll say a couple of different... I mean, I'll just break it down. In India, you don't... It's not about the couple. I mean, if you're coming... If you have an arranged marriage, you don't even pick the person, really. You, they were put in front of you and you made a decision. Even my nieces, who now get to hang out with the person that their parents have suggested to them for months before they say yes or no. Things have moved on a lot since I was, you know, 20 or 19 or whenever mommy started this. But it's a family event. I mean, they, people put their boys and girls together because of who the families are. And it's not a status thing. It's not like you have to be elite to go through this. It starts, it, whatever your economic status is, that's the thinking. So obviously the wedding is a celebration of that. The wedding is when we all, the family gets together. It's something that happens to the family, first of all. Second of all, in the modern world, of course it's about the couple because there's so much more choice. And you can choose to have just your party. And you can, but I don't think it makes sense to say, why would anyone else care? These are your parents. Yeah. These are your parents. I mean, let me tell you, you send your kid away the first day to school, nursery, you stand outside and you cry. You, you do because it's a, it's... Then you send them off to university and you think, oh, I miss them. Then, or even before university, the GCSC, you're nervous. What, they're going to get married and you're going to be like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is just about you? No. My parents only admitted to me recently that they cried after they dropped me off at university. And I was so shocked. I was like, why? <laughs> like, what? I thought you'd be pleased to have got rid of me. And they're like, God, no, you don't understand. Like, we were, no. this was you going off to start your own life. And I was like, oh, right. I didn't, hadn't given it any thought. And I think that is right. You know, as much as my mum always says to me, you know, if you wanted to elope or do whatever, you just do what would make you happy if you were to get married. I think it would also be really sad if I suddenly rang them up and said, oh, by the way, I got married last week. Like, they would want to be part of that wonderful celebration. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, and I mean, I don't, I, I guess I don't understand why. 
unless there's some huge issues. I get it. Like when Kate Middleton was married, there was someone like her mom's brother they didn't invite because the guy's like, you know, off off the ranch. Fair enough. Fair enough. I get that. But your parents, I mean, provided all things being equal. And in India, it's just not a question. It's just a crazy talk, you know. And there are people who run away and get married, but that's because if they got married, their parents would kill them. So then it's a better idea to go and run away. I mean, I mean that sort of metaphorically, but not really always metaphorically. And that's fine. That's a, that's that's a, that's eloping, you know, and that's a different thing. I wasn't eloping. And um, we are both very close to our families, you know, and um, it just wouldn't have made any sense to me to not no. no. But I am very, I know that because my husband and I were so in a cocoon about what's going on, we were very chilled out. You know, I had nothing to show anyone else. It's like, I was marrying this guy and I couldn't get over it. I was so thrilled that, and I think he was thrilled, although he doesn't say much, but you know, it was a big step and it was sudden and it was, we were very aware how different we were, but we were like the way we feel about each other sort of trumps all of that. Trumps, it's a word I don't want to use, (laughs) you know, sort of supersedes all of that. So when you've had these three different weddings, just to kind of move on to some practical sides of the days, were there, like, did you wear the same outfit for all three weddings? Ha, or, ha, ha. or do I get the feeling that once you landed in India, your mum was like, and here is your wardrobe for, yes. for the wedding? Yes. So in this, this was interesting because most women I know, almost all my cousins, and I, no matter when you got married, you were very into your trousseau. What am I going to I was not for the following reasons. One is I lived in London. And I was very busy trying not, you know, doing this job that was new still. Secondly, I've, uh, this is going to sound crazy, but I was always considered, especially in the context of getting married, but also in India in general, when I was growing up, I was always considered, at best, my looks were considered complicated, (laughs) at best. And at worst, as my aunt once said, it would be easier to get her married when I was eight. It'd be easier to get her married if she didn't look the way she does. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what that means is that I had unwittingly from a very young age, uh, as a coping mechanism, separated myself from the issue of how do I look? Because I always got terrible feedback. And, you know, in India, if you were good looking, you were petite and fair. And I am neither of those two things. Um, and uh, so when it came down to this big event and what are you going to wear, I sort of went back to that place in my mind and I thought, it won't matter. I'm happy. And I don't now feel, I mean, I didn't at the point at which I was getting married, didn't feel ugly, which I used to feel a lot when I was younger because, well, people told you. And that's what you thought. Um, and I just want to stop and say, you know, it's even saying these words sounds sacrilegious, but it wasn't that long ago that people were very upfront about how you looked in mm-hmm. your family and it doesn't kill you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't kill you. It just makes you sad and then you deal. And I did. So when the, the wedding thing came along, I thought, okay, mommy and I are never going to agree because she's going to want a little bump and this and this outfit. Let her do it. However I dress, and again, I came back to the same thing. I thought, no matter what I look like, it's the person I'm marrying. And he's, I know him. 
it was a weird boomerang that took away a lot of the angst that could have happened. I just relied on the fact that the key thing was my choice. It was in the box. Everything else? Mm-hmm. And so I arrived, and yes, I arrived, and my mother had... I had 11 outfits for the main wedding. 11? Different saris for different things, blah, blah, blah. And then there were outfits to wear before. She just was like, these are your clothes. And I was like, okay, fine. And I wore them. And frankly, they were not super fancy because my mother is very thrifty. But they were very... They were traditional. They were bright. They were lovely. And then on the one day, nine of my girlfriends had come from abroad. We were we were a group of 11. And there's one day when you put henna on your hands. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of the day that is like for the, all the... It's like the bridesmaids' days, but they're not bridesmaids. So she had matching outfits made for us in everyone's. And, I mean, oh, they were that's great. so lovely. They were great. And they were all made from old saris of hers because she didn't want to waste them. And she said, you guys... And so we all looked... It was like a really happy thing. The only thing was one of my friends is German and she's 6'3", so she looked like she was wearing a miniskirt. <laughs> but otherwise, and she was very happy. She didn't care. And, you know, I didn't have very expensive clothes at all. I had what my mother had had made from the tailor that she'd sort of... She basically kidnapped him from his house and said, you come and sit in my house and stitch for the next three months. And he was very happy. Uh, he couldn't believe the height on some of the dames, though. He kept telling her, these are the wrong measurements. No one has legs this long. She's like, they, you don't understand, these are tall people. So, yeah, and, you know, she, that was it. It was. I'm so relieved, though, because looking back, I see some of my friends, and they really can get very hung up on it. And I'm, by and large, not hung up on how I dress, um, but also on that I just didn't. And I'm happy because I had a really good time. And... It gave my mother so much joy. But that's important. I sometimes, to me it is. I sometimes think that people end up arguing over really... Well, I mean, obviously what you're wearing is quite a big thing, but over issues at weddings with their family. And I just think, just just let it wash over you. If it's going to make someone else happy, yeah. let, them, let them take the win. Yeah, and I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's a happy time. The other thing is I trust my mother. Like I told her, I said, because she made my wedding dress for Denmark, the white dress. And I was like, dude, if you put gold and stuff on this, I literally will walk down the aisle in my shorts, which the Danes don't mind. They'll be like, ah, whatever. But she was like, no. And I said, do not make this into some Bollywood outfit. You had your moment like six months ago because the weddings were five months apart or whatever. Don't. So then she would call me and say, I want to put a little bit filigree of the... I'm like, no, just the word filigree is already wrong. Stop it. <laughs> so then, because in India, widows wear white. So oh, she just okay. couldn't. And I was like... She couldn't get her head around why like, you want to wear this it. Is, yeah. Well, no, I said, it's a church. You've yeah. been to Western weddings, ma. But you know, but it's my daughter. Like, she talking about me, the third person. It's my daughter. I'm like, no, that's me. You're actually mm-hmm. talking to me. So she did a wonderful dress, but she put a tiny bit of gold work on the sleeve and around the neck and I left it because everyone thought it looked great but otherwise um and she also bought different changes for the Danish wedding which is not a thing so I was like what is this and she's like well you know because before the church I'm like no before the church I'm at home but you cannot wear old clothes I was like just anyway I wore that and then at the wedding and then afterwards I wore this pink confectionery outfit I mean I swear (laughs) to god if it wasn't so exotic to the Danes, I think they would have been like, what the hell are you wearing? But it was so exotic to them. They could not understand what was going on. And by Indian standards, it was a beautiful outfit. Um, and she designed it. It was pink. There's a fabric in India called tissue. And it's basically a kind of spun silk, but it's quite stiff. It's what you do brocade work on. Oh, okay. And so I had, she had an outfit for that made for me in pink and gold. 
with a lot of work and it, yeah it is very nice but in my normal life I would never pick that but I wore it and were the Danes wearing suits made from the fabric that your mum had given no no oh. they had no idea what to do and so I just they, I have that fabric even now it's in my house <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. Get it made into suits. I no, because <laughs> but the thing is, who is going to make a suit until we go to India? I have to get the tailor, the same guy. He's, I'm going to take him. And you say, could pop down to Savile Row, but yeah, okay. <laughs> no, no, thanks. No. That's a bit of an expense. <laughs> it does seem a little bit too much. I think it's amazing how you have had these like three very different experiences, and. I think you're quite lucky to have had yes. those three very different experiences. And I think also it represents who you are as a couple. Very much so. Because you can't you can't not reflect who you are as a couple, and you have done that within your three marriages. Yes, and I think in hindsight what I realised is that since we had never spoken about marriage, we had no, we'd never discussed religion or food or... I mean, I'm vegetarian, like proper, proper vegetarian, Hindu vegetarian... <laughs> And they're not. So when it came to the wedding, you know, some people do these joint, like, what were we going to do? I was not going to not have a traditional Hindu wedding, and he was going to not not have a church wedding. So we couldn't, com- I have friends who've combined stuff, but it's neither here nor there. It's good, and I'm happy for you. But for me, it was like, no, I'm having an Indian wedding. So when it came down to it, he was like, I'm having a Danish wedding. We're like, all right, we'll just have both. And the parents were like, yay! <laughs> so we had a lot of support from them. But I think it does reflect the kind of marriage it is, which is we're both very autonomous, and we're both extremely embedded in our own cultures. And yet, some, somehow, and I think I have to thank England for this, we met in the middle with our kids. Because, well, they're really a mix and we a lot of couples talk about religion and food and how things are going to be when they're such different cultures we had never talked about anything it just kind of went along and we never stepped on each other's toes because you know what happens is you pick someone and they're perfect and you fall in love with them and you agree to marry them and then the day you're married you then start to question but my kids are not going to do that religious thing. My kids are... But you married the guy or you married the woman. So what were you thinking? And I think this is a big mistake. And I have many Indian friends who've married outside of their religion. And they've somehow assumed it's going to go their way. Why? The other person is who they are. And if you don't respect that, I'm not sure why you got married. Totally agree. Totally agree. And I think it obviously does become a little bit more pronounced when people have children... And they start, for example, what school are they going to go to? Oh, I want them to go to, yes, for example, a Christian school or actually I want them to go to um, a, a secular school or whatever it may be. I can see how those yeah. conversations suddenly appear for the first time, even though they might have been together as a couple for a long while. Yeah, and if you're grown-ups, you discuss it before. But if you're two people in your 20s who are like, all we care is that we are in love with each other and we're just going to make this work, and then you're both super stubborn, what you end up doing is creating a lot of autonomy for each other. But never begrudging. Never. Never, 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 never. So in your household, you obviously have still got these cultures, (laughs) you know, Scandinavian and Indian, um, and your kids were born in the UK. Mm. So do they feel as though they've got this kind of triple culture, or are they... Kind of like we live in London, we're London kids. Well, they are they are very much London kids, as my son says. I'm I'm mom, you gotta get used to it. There's a part of me that's just English meat. So <laughs> yeah, but at the same time they are very 
cognizant of the fact that Diwali is huge, that I don't eat meat, that I cook in different dishes because I don't cook in the same dishes as meat. Fair enough. They've just absorbed everything and they're like, this is what she does, this is what he does. But she goes to church at Christmas. He doesn't travel during Diwali. We have religious ceremonies in India, which are very Hindu, which our dad attends and wears all the, you know, stuff and the, the, the sarongs and all that stuff. And all of us have been christened in the Danish church. They have never had to question the differences. They've just said, we do all of it. Now, you and your husband met in the States, so I'm assuming that you first started speaking to each other in English. Always, yeah. Always, because I was told by some researcher that the language that a couple first speak to is the language that they will speak to throughout their entire relationship, even if they end up living in a different country of a different language. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. In, I mean, your, in your household, like, does your husband speak to the kids? In no, in English, English. In English. I don't even know why. I speak to my kids in Hindi. I'm like, why are you not talking to them in Danish? She's like, oh, it's complicated. I'm tired. You know, I mean, that's literally his answer. I'm like, fine. So the kids don't speak Danish at all. I speak Danish. Enough. Enough. I don't speak a lot of Danish, but I speak enough. Um, I can understand Danish. Um, My kids understand Hindi. uh, Because I think in Hindi a lot. And they're my kids. Mm -hmm. I talk to kids and dogs exclusively in Hindi. Uh, Other wild animals I have been known. Not wild, but like I speak to cows in Hindi. But they in particular understand it, I feel. Um, cats I don't talk to so no comment on that but I will speak to animals <laughs> the other day I had a photo shoot and I asked for a snake I spoke to the snake in Hindi the whole time amazing yeah amazing. yeah. so um, so the kids are yeah I mean I think our children are growing up slightly differently than other kids whose parents are different because they have they've like either said they've tried to make some kind of mix but I have a lot of American friends who are married to English people and they do Thanksgiving and then, but they, you know, they, so it's not that, you know, uh, unusual. I think if we were both from two different Western countries or maybe from two different South Asian countries, like if my husband was Sri Lankan and I was, it might've been, there might've been more stepping on each other's toes, but I mean, I don't do Christmas. So dude, we'll do it your way. I'm yeah, fine. Yeah. And you certainly don't do Diwali. So we'll do it my way. And it's, it's so easy because there's no overlap. <laughs> And also how fabulous to have more opportunities to spend family time together. Yeah. Like, I mean, we, more we, holidays, the better, I say. Starting in September, our house is just, there's some festival or the other going on because there's a couple of Indian ones, including Diwali, and then there's Christmas, and then, you know, we don't do anything at Easter. So the autumn in our house is just something going on. And plus, my, we live in North London, and my kids, the baby, went to Jewish nursery because it had the same parking as us. Um, so I put her there for a while. It was like the, you could go if you were not Jewish, but it was a Jewish nursery. By which I mean it was in the synagogue. So we had a lot of Jewish festivals for three autumns in a row. We did. So yeah, there was a lot, there's always a lot going on in the autumn in our house. Um, and then there's Halloween, which the kids do. Because that's, I don't know why I think it's a religious festival. I'm like, it's not really. So yeah, no, we do all of that. I don't think those things are hyper important, if I'm very honest. I think, I think what's important is... I think your parents have to know who they are as individuals and how they respect it in the other grown-up. And then your kids pick it up along the way. You know, if my kids grow up and say, I'm not a Hindu, I'd be like, okay, fine. Of course, I wouldn't believe them. <laughs> They're probably Hindu on the inside. They don't know. Uh, but if they said, I want... Yeah, that's what I think. Um, and also, let's be honest, Hinduism and Lutheran Christians, which the Danes are, 
they're relatively mild expectations of the other. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's made it easy. So you've been married for how long now? 20 years this year. And what would be your advice to someone to keep oh, 20 years of marriage going? Three things. One is, and I know this sounds cheesy, but you have to make each other laugh. I swear to God. There has to be this undercurrent of being able to go to the wall and then laugh because you can make each other laugh. That's one. Secondly, if you want to stay married and mostly stay happy, because there will be periods in your marriage where you're deeply unhappy. It's got to happen. Because marriage doesn't change your life. Life continues, then marriage is sort of added on. So if you want to mostly stay happy, you need to have a sense of your autonomous self. And then the third one, which I think is going to be the most contentious, uh, because I've just talked about how much I, we fell in love and so on and so forth, is that if you've got many years into a marriage and there's not any egregious dysfunction, uh, by which I mean you sort of you're the mid, you know, you're sort of not getting along or annoyed or whatever. Never forget that after a certain number of years, especially if there's a kid in the mix, but even not with a kid in the mix, any big step change is very likely going to be something worse. Yeah. And I mean that because I'm that kind of person. I know people who've got divorced and are super happy, but I'm not that kind of person. So this advice is very much coming from my head. Be careful. Um, and so some people say, well, that means just settle. You could call it what you like. But, you know, marriage is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And you got to appreciate that. Um, but, more, but the most important is the first point, humor. 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 I think humor forgives a lot, for sure. Absolutely. And, I mean, there's nothing more satisfying than taking the piss out of your husband and really enjoying it. <laughs> and then he has to laugh because you were really very funny. <laughs> Well, I think that's a perfect place to end it. Thank you so much, Cindy. No, I really enjoyed you. that. Thank you for having me. I feel like I spoke a lot, but um, you seemed interested. No, it's wonderful, and I know the listeners will be too. So thank you very much. Thank Take you. Bye-bye. Bye. So there we have it. That's Sindhu's three weddings. I hope you did enjoy that. I really, really enjoyed listening to the tales of Sindhu's mum and kind of her excitement of the wedding and kind of adhering to a lot of traditions like the gifting um, and, you know, making all of the bridesmaids saris. I just thought it was really, really beautiful. Um, and I like the advice that Sindhu gave about keeping a happy marriage. Uh, you know, laughter seems to be a key part of that. And also allowing kind of the different traditions of your own culture. So celebrating Christmas, but also ce celebrating Diwali and allowing your kids to have the opportunity to do all of those things. I thought that was really, really lovely. As I said at the beginning, Sindhu is on the lineup for um, my royal wedding comedy show at the Bill Murray in Angel on Saturday the 12th of May. Tickets can be bought at angelcomedy.co.uk. They cost £5. It's going to be a great afternoon, so I do hope you can come and join. Um, and if you want to um, listen to more of Sindhu's stuff, you can find her podcast, um, via the podcasts app. Uh, she has one with the BBC. She also has a show in Edinburgh at the Pleasance this summer. So do pop up to Edinburgh and check out her show. Um, she is a very funny woman who I very much admire, so I'm delighted that she was keen to come on the podcast. 
But do follow the Wedding Guest Extraordinaire on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. It's Wedding Guest Pod. Um, do email me, sarah at weddingguestextraordinaire.com if you have any questions. Uh, do rate, review and subscribe. Apparently it helps other people find us, but I don't know the proof of that. Um, but until next time, I'm Sarah Southern, your Wedding Guest Extraordinaire. Do take care.